This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Inflation in Canada has hit 8.1%, higher than at any time since 1983. We have some of the highest gas prices in North America. And we've reached another record. With home prices across Canada surging more than 31%. The growth in rent prices in the second quarter was the fastest pace on record. People forced to decide between paying the rent or buying groceries. Well, nearly a quarter of Canadians say they are eating less than they should. Food prices rose at our fastest pace in almost 40 years. More Canadians than ever are reportedly reaching out to food banks to feed their families. At first there were shortages, baby formula. Pharmacies are reporting panic buying as children's fever medications looked just like this. Drugs are more potent, more available than ever. It's a substantial rise over previous years. Shootings, violent crimes, gun crimes and homicides, stabbings, hate crimes in Toronto, attacks on strangers, and deadly assaults. They're all on the rise. On the ride. Continue to ride. This is the toughest time in our history. This is the toughest time in our history. A leader takes responsibility when things go wrong. And this Prime Minister has consistently avoided taking any responsibility for this uh, sordid mess. That was just a little bit of a new video that the Conservative Party of Canada has put out outlining exactly where we are today, just before Christmas here in Canada. Welcome to After 9, everybody. I'm Scott. Kat is not here. Now, just so you know, Kat was on our morning radio show. She will be on tonight's radio show on 93.1 FM, Fresh FM. Uh, She's just not here for the podcast, but that's okay. That gives me an opportunity to speak directly to you once again. And uh, like I sometimes like to do when Kat's not here, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about some news stories. We're going to talk a little bit more about politics. We're going to talk a little bit more about things like that. Now, if that's not your speed, I totally get it. It's the week before Christmas. Maybe you don't want to hear some bad news right now. And if that's the case, that's totally fine. Skip this episode. Maybe this one's not for you because this one doesn't have a whole lot of great news, to be honest with you. This one is going to talk about what we talked about just a couple weeks ago on the solo episode that I did when we talked about Canadians being at their end. Canadians being unable to go any further with the way things are. And you just heard some great examples in there. What was it? Gas prices. Uh, They've leveled out a little bit. I still think that they're too high for the, the price of oil right now. But I also understand there's many greedy forces behind that, that that inflate the prices so that they can make more profit. That's fine. I get that. It's been like that for a very long time. They also talked about crime. And it's great because if you go back and listen to previous episodes of After 9, let's say over the last two years, a lot of what we said is coming true, specifically with crime. 
when we talked about how people were losing money, how interest rates were were pushing people to the brink, when we talked about how inflation was really strangling people, when we talked about the pandemic restrictions, one of the things that we said was going to come out of all of this was a serious increase in crime. Lo and behold, you don't have to watch too many different newscasts or listen to too many newscasts on the radio to hear that that's exactly what's happening. Opioid crisis is hitting fever pitch. We're having overdose deaths daily. We're probably going through naloxone faster than we're going through Tylenol in this country. It's crazy how many people have turned to illicit drugs and how much the drug trade is thriving right now. It's amazing how much a lot of the underground markets are thriving right now. Let's talk about violent crime. How many people need to get randomly attacked on the subway in Toronto before we acknowledge we've got a serious problem with crime? Now, we're always going to have a problem with crime. We're never going to live in a perfect society. But we do know that these issues get amplified when the economy is bad. When people don't have money, they get desperate. Some people will turn to the underground markets and they'll participate in that, whether it's buying or selling. Or maybe they just turn to the drugs to forget all about it. Maybe. Others are going to do things like rob banks, rob people, steal cars. They're going to... Uh, try and acquire illegal firearms. They're going to do all of those things because people are getting desperate. And when we spoke two weeks ago, when it was the solo episode, I believe it was on a Wednesday two weeks ago, the title of that episode is Enough, Canadians Can't Afford This Anymore. Go back and listen to it if you didn't hear that episode. I personally thought that that was one of the better ones that I've ever done solo. And, and today, I want to touch on some of those themes again. Have things gotten any better? Got another uh, interest rate hike likely coming in early 2023. And, you know, we were led to believe when TIFF raised the interest rates earlier this month that that would be it. You know, ah, we should be close to the end of the cycle. Well, now they're not so sure. It's because they're still not looking at the areas of the economy that matter. They're still hanging their hats on export numbers, GDP, obscure facts. They rely on stuff like that so that they can go ahead and continue to raise rates and they can sleep at night saying, oh, no, the economy is still hot. We've done it all right. Well, one thing that I think has become more and more and more prevalent in the last two weeks is just how stretched Canadians are. And nobody's talking about that. In fact, anytime the opposition, whether it be the conservatives or the NDP or the Bloc or the Greens, the, the government doesn't like to answer questions when questions about the economy come up. And I'm really not sure why that is, unless it's just because they too, like the Bank of Canada, don't want to acknowledge that we've got a real problem right now. And the problem isn't just inflation. They'll, they'll acknowledge there's, there's inflation. Yes, 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 there's inflation. Yes, it's, it's a worldwide phenomenon. It's, it's not just Canada. It's, it's worldwide. And now they're slowly starting to come around to the fact that maybe it was government spending that brought all that on. It's hard for them to deny because even the Bank of Canada has acknowledged that government spending is behind the inflation. And to try and combat the inflation, they're raising interest rates at an alarming rate. Seven interest rate hikes in 2022. It is mind-boggling that people can still be in their homes. Although I do think the other shoe is going to drop early in 2023, I think that's when we're really going to start seeing the effects 
of this rapid rise in interest rates. And I think at some point we're going to have to uh, prepare ourselves for what's coming. There's going to be people who lose their homes. There's going to be foreclosures. And if we get a recession on top of that, which I've maintained since the summertime, we're already in. It's very bad right now. Then pile on the job losses and such. And those people who don't necessarily have to worry about the rising interest rates because they're locked in for another year or two. Well, it's a little different when they don't have a job, when people are losing their jobs like crazy. So I think that we're going to go through a real traumatic time in 2023. It doesn't seem like next year is going to be any better than 2022. In fact, it seems like it's getting worse. And again, it all comes back down to interest rates. This is a prime example of the cure is worse than the disease. Nobody likes high inflation. I don't like going to the grocery store and seeing three bucks for a a can of this or that that used to cost 69 cents. No, nobody likes that. Is it sustainable? Not for very long. I mean, people have to eat. Let's be honest. They have to eat. And they shouldn't have to rely on food banks to do that. Well, there's only so much money to go around. And, And the solution for those inflated prices at the grocery store seems to be raise interest rates. And, and in Ottawa, when you talk to one of these, these politicians, or if you actually get to talk to someone from the Bank of Canada, they'll try and convince you that, no, 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 raising interest rates is actually a good idea. We have to raise interest rates to get the inflation down. I think if you go around and ask most people right now, would you rather deal with 7 8 9% inflation, or would you rather deal with uh, an extra... 1500 to two grand a month on your mortgage? Or would you rather pay uh, $2,300 a month on average for a one-bedroom, 500-square-foot condo to rent? I, I don't think too many people would take that deal. I think most people would probably uh, continue to pay those highly inflated prices at the grocery store so that they can save even bigger money on the interest rates. But they're going to keep raising interest rates. They've got a plan. This seems to be all cooked up somewhere in the world. And, and the plan seems to be raise interest rates as much as you can. And if people lose their homes, so be it. So be it. They should have been better savers. They shouldn't have taken out so much debt. That's, that's what the unsympathetic bankers will have you believe. And and that's fine, because if you lose your home, now there's lots of people that'll buy it. They're, there's no shortage of people that we can bring to Canada, and they've got lots of money, and they'll buy up those homes that we can't afford to live in anymore. It's pretty scary stuff if you think about it. And, and as this is happening, as both Canada and the U.S. are doing the exact same thing, raising interest rates to try and tame this inflation, they say, if that still is the goal, you, uh, you can notice a few other similarities that are happening. H- have you noticed the, the big push to get gun control legislation through in America? Joe Biden's talking about this a lot, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, America seems to have a real gun problem. They have a lot of mass shootings down there. I think a lot of it is linked to the economy and to mental health issues. I, I, I don't see what else it would be. I don't think people are going out committing mass shootings just for fun. I think that there's a real problem in America. And the fact that they're very well armed down there, there's not nearly as many checks and balances on the guns in America as there are in Canada. And you can get much more uh, assault style weaponry down there than you can get here. In fact, here, that's on the prohibited category. And you need a very, very, very special license that almost nobody has to be able to buy an assault style weapon. You can get a restricted gun license in Canada. 
and get a handgun or get uh, a high-caliber rifle. But for the most part, the, the guns that are in Canada legally are hunting rifles. And, and while America is tackling gun violence, trying to anyway, they're trying to get some common sense legislation passed down there. We're doing the same thing here, but we don't have the same problem here that they have down there. But that's not what our government is telling you. Our government is trying to present to you that there is a clear and present danger that, oh, my God, we've got to ban the guns. And I'm wondering why. How are these two things happening simultaneously when they are extremely different situations? America does have a problem with guns. They have a problem with mass shootings. They've got a problem with crime in general. Well, we too have a problem with crime, but we don't have the same guns on our streets. We also have vetted, RCMP-approved gun owners in Canada. They've actually been checked by the police. I don't understand how our priority went to the guns. I'm not really sure why that was something that needed to be dealt with right now, other than it's an organized effort between Canada and the U.S. Take away the guns. Why do they want the guns taken away exactly? I don't know. I'm really not sure. But there's a real push here. And I thought that when Carey Price put out his tweet and and pointed out that the government was going to take away actual hunting guns, that... The government might back down because they were embarrassed at that. They did not like someone as universally well-respected like Carrie Price coming out to say, no, this is not right. This legislation is wrong. What the government is doing is wrong. They didn't like being called out for that. So they kind of alluded to, well, okay, we'll go back and revisit it. We'll revisit the gun issue and maybe there's a few in there that shouldn't have been in there. Well, Justin Trudeau just recorded a year-end interview with CTV News And in it, he had a really interesting statement. In it, it's very clear he's not going to back down on that gun legislation. Let me read you the exact quote from this interview that's going to air on either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day on CTV. He said, our focus now is on saying, okay, there are some guns, yes, that we're going to have to take away from people who were using them to hunt. But we're going to also make sure that you're able to buy other guns from a long list of guns that are accepted and are fine for hunting. Justin Trudeau is not a hunter. Justin Trudeau has no idea what it's like to hunt. Justin Trudeau would, if you set five guns down in front of him and said one of your targets is duck and another one of your targets is, I don't know, a rabbit, he'd have no idea which gun to use. He doesn't understand. He is just hell-bent on punishing people who have legally obtained a gun. People who have gone through the process, they've taken the safety course, they've waited the cooling-off period, they've been vetted by the RCMP. Their spouse has approved of them having a gun. Their local police force has approved them having a gun. And again, they're fully safety-trained, and they have to abide by some pretty serious restrictions on those guns. How they're stored, where the ammunition is kept compared to where the, the firearm itself is kept. There are so many rules and restrictions on legal gun owners in Canada that I'm sure shocked we're even having this debate and then again i look down at what's happening in america and i have to think what's the connection here did trudeau use mass shootings in america as a reason to take away hunting rifles in canada is that what he's doing or is the goal there and here to just disarm the public Well, I don't know that you're ever going to get a clear answer on that because there's also a fairly big effort right now 
to suppress information. We're now learning more about Twitter. This is part of Elon Musk taking over. And when Elon took over, he said he had one goal, free speech. He also wanted to make it public what happened over the last couple of years, the information that was suppressed. And sure enough, in the latest dump of Twitter files, now we're learning that, yeah, there was a very serious news story about Joe Biden's son that possibly involved Joe Biden himself that would have come out right around the time of the U.S. election between Biden and Trump. And as you know, it was very, very close. This story may have tipped the balance. It was suppressed. It was taken away from the people. The people weren't allowed to see or hear that story. They just weren't allowed to. And it was the actual government that stopped it from happening. Here's a question that was just asked yesterday at the White House. Um, the latest Twitter files showed that the intelligence community was actively involved in discrediting the Hunter Biden laptop story. Does it bother the president and those at the White House that a government agency like the FBI was involved in suppressing a legitimate news story? Again, I'm, I'm just going to refer you to the FBI. I'm not going to comment from here about that. The White House has no comment on a story that involves the federal force suppressing a news story from the public that had election implications right before an election. Wow. Does that sound right to you? I mean, shouldn't we have legitimate news stories from legitimate news sources and be able to make up our own mind? Or does the government control what information we're allowed to hear and what information we're allowed to see? Because it kind of seems like That's what's going on here. Let's talk about Elon Musk for a second. Elon Musk took over Twitter, and he's made no secret about the fact lately that he is not supporting Joe Biden's party, the Democrats. He's made it clear that he is a Republican. Okay, that's fine. We all have a political view. Sure we do, obviously. It is amazing how quickly people turned on Elon Musk when they found out he was a Republican. Oh, my God. He's a right-leaning individual. Well, shit, we've got to discredit this guy. We've got to do everything we can, even though he was a hero for taking regular people into space, for doing what NASA couldn't get done, a cost-effective launch into space. He set up a, an internet network of satellites in space. He has managed to not just go into space, but also return safely in an environmentally friendly way. You know all those booster rockets full of jet fuel that, that used to just fall into the ocean and do God knows how much damage to the ecosystem? No, now they just safely return and land on the launch pad. There's a lot of things like that that Elon Musk has done, and we haven't even started talking about Tesla. I don't know that the Tesla or electric vehicles in general are as green as we're led to believe because they they certainly do leave a strong carbon footprint in extracting the minerals that are needed for the batteries to fuel those cars. But let's just go on the assumption that they themselves, the vehicles, don't use any, uh, any gasoline. So, all right, if we're not burning fossil fuels, it's got to be better than we had. And people loved him for that. That was super creative incredibly complex to design, but he did it and he made them mainstream. All of those accomplishments are forgotten because God forbid, 
Elon Musk is going to expose some really fishy things that happened around the last U.S. presidential election. God forbid Elon Musk is actually going to allow some of these voices that have been silenced by the big social media companies to have their voice back. I'm team let's hear what people have to say. I'll be honest with you, I think it's a mistake for Donald Trump to run again. I think Donald Trump, who has now been recommended for criminal charges based on the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, they actually recommended criminal charges for him. Whether or not they actually get laid remains to be seen, and then they would actually have to get a conviction, which I think many legal experts agree is going to be a stretch. Probably is. But because Donald Trump is still threatening to get back into politics, they're still going after the guy really hard. I think that's a mistake. I I think Don should just sail into the sunset. And if he wants to do some private investigating into what happened in the 2020 presidential election, uh, by all means, you go ahead and do that, Don. Go right ahead. But you know what? The rest of the country has got to move on. And there's other people that are ready to lead. That's just my opinion. If you like Trump, fine. I don't agree with him on a lot, but I certainly don't think he should be silenced. I don't think anybody should be silenced. I've got a choice. I don't have to follow Donald Trump if I don't want to hear what he has to say. I don't have to follow Randy Hillier if I don't want to hear what Randy has to say. And you know what? Silencing people that you disagree with is a very slippery slope. But that's what the social media companies endeavored to do because Elon came out and said, no, 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 no. We're not going to ban these people. We're not going to silence these people. They're out there. And as long as they abide by the basic guidelines, as long as they're not promoting violence, they're not promoting hate speech, that sort of stuff, then they're allowed to have their say. Nope. There's a lot of people, particularly in government right now in Canada and the U.S., that don't want you to hear their opinion. They don't want you to hear the other side of the story. And frankly, I can't really figure out why other than information is being weaponized. Some of it's being kept away from it. And then what we do get is very, very controlled and very, very targeted. I don't know where we go from here with Elon Musk, but let's be honest. He ran that poll. Hey, hey, should I step down as, as the head of Twitter? First off, I hope everybody understands that he's not leaving Twitter. It's not like he's selling the company or he's not going to have any say. He is still very much going to be the guy in charge and the guy calling the shots. It would just be a different figurehead that's basically in charge at Twitter. So nothing really is going to change because Elon's going to appoint someone who he thinks can promote the platform and someone probably that's like-minded. Elon's not going anywhere, but it's amazing how many people went and voted for that and thought, yeah, this is a good opportunity to get rid of that guy because he wants to let people that I disagree with have a voice. I'm wondering how many people actually know why they don't like Elon Musk all of a sudden. Because like I said, this guy was a hero for a long time. This guy changed the world in a lot of different ways. And now all of a sudden, he's got a majority of people on the Twitter poll saying, no, 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 got to get rid of Elon. But I'm wondering why. What specifically makes you think that he's a bad guy now? If he was such a great guy before he bought Twitter, is it just over information? Is it just because he's going to reveal some stuff that might affect the political party you like from, from getting into power? Is that why? Did he do anything to you? Did he do anything to your family? Do you disagree with everybody being able to participate in the conversation? 
with people having a choice about who they do or don't follow? Really? That's why you don't like the guy? I think that it was brilliant what Elon Musk did. He did that poll asking the question if he should be the one to go because it was a bot trap. And now they can go through and they can look at all the engagements with that and that helps them isolate where the bots are coming from. I don't know if we'll ever know what the actual people user vote was because we know there's a lot of bots on Twitter and that's one of the things that Elon Musk has said for a long time he wants to get rid of is the bots on Twitter because they are influencing the conversation. Those bots are trying to sway people's minds about a lot of different things. If he gets rid of those and it's an actual conversation between people, you might be surprised. There's still going to be people on there that you disagree with. There's still going to be people on there that you agree with, but it'll be a lot more balanced when there's not an algorithm that is determining what you do and don't see and suppressing certain news stories. It's very, very, very frustrating to me that this is even an issue. I thought, if nothing else, we could probably agree that when it comes to freedom of speech, when it comes to having an opinion, having a say, I thought we might be able to agree that everyone is allowed to participate in the conversation, not just the people that we agree with. Let's talk about ethics for a second. Mary Ng. Canadian member of parliament found to have violated the ethics code, not stepping down. Do our ethics not mean anything anymore? I mean, we in the past, prior to this government, had some, uh, some politicians who were accused of doing wrong towards the taxpayer and the Canadian public. They stepped down or they were fired. At the absolute least, they were shuffled out of their well-paid cabinet position back to the back benches. Those are usually the three remedies. In this case, it doesn't look like anything is going to happen to a member of parliament who awarded sole source contracts to one of her best friends, who's also in the past been a pundit on CBC, controlling some of that messaging that's coming from the national broadcaster. It's crazy that nobody is going to make her step down or give her that ultimatum, step down or you're fired. How? How? We have an ethics commissioner who is perfectly neutral, just worries about ethics, doesn't care about the politics, which politician it is or which party it is. We've got an ethics commissioner who investigated and found that she violated the code of ethics. Why has she still got a job? You know how many Canadians are going to food banks right now and she's still making well into the six figures to, to fly around on the Challenger jets and, and she's got the staff and the driver and the whole nine yards making a lot of money. And she's allowed to keep doing that. Meanwhile, Canadians that haven't done a thing wrong through no fault of their own are trying to figure out how they're going to buy something for their loved ones at Christmas, how they're going to s- somehow scrape together enough money to get something that'll put a smile on their kid's face on Christmas so they don't lose all hope that the magic of Christmas is gone. So they don't think Santa Claus skipped them and the kid thinks they did something wrong. No. These politicians making that kind of money are just going to continue to sit there and make that money. And it's almost like they're laughing in our face. (laughs) Haha, we got caught and nothing's going to happen. Maybe it's time to make those ethics violations actually count for something. If... If the fact that you were found in violation of our ethics laws doesn't automatically disqualify you from serving in the future, 
at least without an election in between and let the voters have a say, then maybe there should be some actual consequences. But you can tell nobody in this government is in any hurry to do something like that. Because there's been so many of them. Five ethics violations in seven years. The prime minister himself twice. Given that he's been caught twice, I think it's highly unlikely we're going to see any tangible consequences. But this is one of those things that we need to talk about as a country. Do ethics matter or don't they matter? That's federal. Let's talk provincial. I'd also like to talk about uh, promises. How many times have you heard a politician promise this or that when they wanted your vote and then they didn't follow through when they got elected? One of the things that came up in the last election, Doug Ford, clear as day, said, I hear you. I know you don't want me to open up the green belt. I'm not going to open up the green belt. Now, I don't know why he would say that, because there are some areas in the green belt that are probably better than others if you have to build houses in a rapid fashion. And we do need to build houses in a rapid fashion. Otherwise, we're going to see these $2,300 a month rent for a 500-square-foot one-bedroom condo get up to 3000 or 4000 I don't know how high it's going to go, but we've got a real supply issue here. So yes, we have to build. Some of that may, in fact, go on the green belt. But Doug, you said you weren't going to do that. Why are you doing that? People took you at your word when you said you weren't going to reopen the green belt. And I understand the argument. I've heard it. How many times did Kathleen Wynne and Dalton McGinty open up the green belt? How many times did they allow development on the green belt? I get that argument from the conservatives, but it doesn't change the fact that you said you wouldn't. And now if you're going to do it, you should probably come back to the voters and let us have our say. Promises have to mean something. There needs to be some integrity from these people that are running. Enough of this game where we say one thing to get elected and then do something completely different. You know, it's funny how much stock the political parties put into opinion polls. And I don't think the opinion polls are necessarily that accurate. I think the uh, polling companies, in some cases have some very strong political affiliations, definitely some strong political beliefs. Are they helping to influence the public and how we think by putting out polls in a certain way or by only asking people from a specific demographic? Maybe. I don't know. I don't work for those polling companies. However, I would say that I think they all agree that right now we've got a sitting prime minister who's down around 30% popularity. If an election were held tomorrow, less than one in three would vote for the guy. That being the case, maybe it's time to accelerate the election talk. Maybe it's time for the governor general to come and say, yeah, I know that technically you haven't lost the confidence of the house, but it really kind of feels like you've lost the confidence of the people. So let's dissolve this parliament while we're on a Christmas break anyway. And, and let's have an election in the fall or sorry, in the spring and, and see where we go from there. We, we can't do that in Canada. We can't even if it's blatantly obvious that everybody fucking hates the guy. And I'm not saying everyone does. Don't get me wrong. I know the prime minister is surrounded by people that love him. There's still people in Canada that think he is a true rock star. And I'm not going to say you're right or wrong, but I am going to say that the polls all do seem to agree it's less than one in three that would vote for the guy if an election were held tomorrow. Why don't we test that out? If it's obvious that there's that many people that disapprove if it's obvious that we've got more Canadians going to food banks than at any other point in history, if it's obvious that we're in a recession but the government won't acknowledge it, 
If it's obvious that this attempt to take away guns, even though there's not a gun problem, and there's certainly not a gun problem with law-abiding hunters, then maybe it is time for the governor general to say, "Mm, this doesn't seem right. But again, that's not how our system works. But these are things that we should be talking about. How can we make things a little more representative of the people? How can we make our leaders just a little more accountable? I think a lot of people would love to see a little accountability. I think a lot of people would love to see a little humility. Do you know how much credit I would give the prime minister if he would actually come out and say, I get it. Yeah. I mean, I know the numbers uh, uh, that the Bank of Canada are looking at don't say we're in a recession, but Jesus, all you have to do is walk down uh, any neighborhood street and knock on a few doors and you'll find people that are so strapped right now. They're really struggling. They can't take any more interest rate hikes. They can't even go a few more months at the current rate. I think you'll be able to find people that are really struggling with the cost of food right now and the cost of rent and the government could come out and acknowledge, hey, listen, we've ended up in a real shitty spot here. We are going to work with you. We're going to work with every level of government in this country to try and solve this problem immediately because it really can't be delayed any further. There are solutions. There really are. But it's going to start with making some change and admitting when you've made a mistake. Is Doug Ford going to come out and say, hey, listen, I know I said I won't reopen the green belt, but I've got to uh, get these houses built. And frankly, the reason I can't build them here, 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 and here is this. The reason I need to build them in green belt, green belt, green belt, green belt is this. Just want a little more information. I want a little bit of accountability. I want these leaders to acknowledge that we're not happy. And I don't think many people are happy right now. No matter what party you like or what stripe you wear, I don't think there's many people happy right now. Been a sharp increase in the amount of hate crimes that are happening across this country. We are so pissed off at the government that we're that we're really going primitive on each other. Like I said back at the beginning of this episode, violent crime is getting really, really scary right now. Innocent people are being attacked at random by strangers in the subway and on the streets. That's how bad it's gotten. I don't understand why nobody wants to acknowledge the actual problem. It's like they're so political that they've lost all humanity. It's like they've lost all common sense. Something has got to change. And I really, really hope that over the holidays here, our leaders will take a second and reflect on the fact that we have a real problem in this country. I'd also kind of like to hear what the plan is. Like I said earlier, again, I I don't think that they're ever going to come out and say, yeah, the Canada-U.S. government is really working uh, in tandem right now to try and de-arm the public for something else that we've got planned in the future. It's kind of the way it feels. You know, why else would Canada be going after hunters guns? It doesn't make sense. Why were valuable, valuable pieces of information withheld from the public intentionally that could have had an impact on the election two years ago in America? Why was that withheld? Why was the FBI involved in in suppressing that information? We have a right to ask questions. We have a right to question our leaders. It's a responsibility of all Canadians that care about this country to question what's going on here. And I hope you're having these conversations amongst yourselves. I hope it's not just me here from the bully pulpit raising some red flags. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. 
the After 9 podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.